0: Hello, welcome to episode 54 of the One Life Podcast. We talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think relate to you and your one and only life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Inman, and we are starting our first week um, coming out of our Centered series. We we had our first Sunday of that this past Sunday. If you didn't have a chance to watch or listen to that message, um, you can go to the One Life app or onelifechurch.org, hit messages. You can find that information there and see the content that we've created. We have a couple things that we're hoping to do through the podcast, as that's one of the things we've asked people to do um, during the next seven weeks is to listen to the podcast because there's three things we would like to do here. We want to build a Christ-centered worldview. That's what we're hoping the whole idea of our centered series does. Build confidence about our Christ-centered worldview. Be able to have um, confidence as you're learning and seeking and getting an understanding, um, and then ultimately the podcast, what we're hoping to do is to learn how to have conversations about that christ center worldview. And today we have Zach Bilo on the podcast. We're going to be talking to him uh, in here in a few minutes about that um, and some of the things that he's been studying and learning and how he's continuing to use that information to help us talk and have conversations. But I'm joined today, um, as always, by our co-host and lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. And Brett has some stuff that he'd love to kind of start each of the podcast uh, for the next seven weeks, some information about. So, Brett... All, you.
1: All right. Well, thank you. Uh, anyone who did take us up on this—if you've never listened to the podcast before—hopefully you'll go back and want to uh, listen to them in the past. We've had a lot of very interesting guests from around our city, and so I encourage you to continue to track with it. But we did ask everybody to do it for the purpose of conversation. So I'm going to frame up the next several uh, several weeks that we have going, and our, our primary passage that we're going to look at—we quoted on Sunday—it's First Peter chapter three, and it says this: "But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give." an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So always be prepared. Somebody asks you, why do you believe this stuff? Why do you go to church? Why do you, why do you worship? Why, why does anything matter? You're supposed to be prepared to be able to give a halfway good answer. So one of the things that we're going to do over the next several weeks is we are going to talk about how to prepare answers. That will be in podcast in the future. But then, even possibly more importantly, he goes on to say, but do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience. He gives the manner in which you're supposed to give the answers, and that's where we're going to really start today. We're going to talk about the manner because we all know, we've all lived in it, uh, we've been on social media where people kind of rage against one another, they talk in social media, like kind of like they do in traffic where they, it's like they act like uh, these people aren't really hearing them, but they do. And we all know that's a problem in our society. But how do you talk to people who are of different worldviews and different who do have different beliefs? Because beliefs are very dear to people. People take them very seriously. And so anger can be kind of on the premium. And so what we're going to hopefully learn uh, over the next several weeks is how to uh, deliver these things. I've had a little bit of experience of this because... because... Because just being a pastor, I've talked to a lot of people about their beliefs. kind of comes with the territory. People ask me questions. They may not ask other people. And so I like to think I've learned a few ways to apply the Scripture. And so that's what we're going to do. And today, uh, the reason we have Zach here is his passion has been, he's writing his thesis on living in a secular age. And notice that Peter said, but do this with gentleness and respect. And I really want to zero in on that word respect, because at the core of respect is listening. Uh, it's not all about talking. When you want to share your beliefs or you want to find out or discuss um, about someone else's beliefs, you want to think respect. And respect comes with listening, listening and being curious about what other people think. And so uh Again, Zach's passion is living in a secular age. Well, guess what? We all live in a secular age. We do, and I define secular as uh, as really just self-rule. Uh, it's kind of not it's not necessarily not believing in God. It's just kind of uh, you know just thinking in terms of God's not really directly applicable to my life. I'm doing my own thing, going my own way. So, but we all live in that age, and so and there's a lot of things about it that I think Zach will help us understand that person that um, we're sitting across the table from, that we're having coffee with, and that we're talking about beliefs. And so that's really what we're going to do is we kind of explore what does it mean to talk to people who do have uh, a secular outlook or a worldview that's uh, kind of more of that American secularism.
0: Awesome. And uh, there are a few things that Brett has asked uh, Uh, everyone to do during this series. And um, one of them is to listen to the podcast. So if you're listening right now, great job. You're already starting off really well. Uh, Another is to join a growth group. If you've never been a part of a growth group, or maybe you're not in one currently, you can go to the One Life app, um, hit the centered uh, button at the very top of the app. It has all this information of the things that we're asking you to do and be be a part of and ultimately for those three purposes that we've mentioned earlier. And you can join a growth group. There's some that are happening at each One Life campus. So maybe you're not really comfortable going to someone's house. You can come to one of the campuses and find a group that fits um, for you for the next seven weeks to discuss some of this content and to highlight the content you'll be going through was written by Zach. Oh man. I just put a lot of pressure on right, Zach everywhere. That's right. That everywhere. That's right. Zach is writing content and I feel like our content like game is going way up. It is. That's right. We're gonna I used to try to write notes from other people just talking in a room and it was crazy. <laughs> that's and right. now Zach takes it and makes it great. Um, <laughs> but the other uh, couple things was to attend every week, which, um, You have six more weeks to attend, so if you attended last week, great job. And so we just are looking for ways to continue connecting, um, and also through our daily Bible readings. Those are also on the app. You can stay connected through the daily Bible readings as we're going through that together as a church. And so I just want to introduce Zach as we we go here and get to have some conversation with Zach. So Zach is on staff here at One Life Church, um, and he is finishing up his master's in philosophy and apologetics. And as Brett said, he's writing and finishing his thesis on living in a secular age. It's a big topic. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, it is, I guess. I, uh, yeah, it's, um, been studying uh, a Canadian philosopher named Charles Taylor and he wrote a giant manifesto called A Secular Age that, uh, has helped me just really think through all of, all of that and given me a pretty good framework, uh, for it. I, th- I think it feels, it feels true to me at least.
0: <laughs> and I think, uh, as you were talking, Brett, as you're reading the scripture and I was thinking about, um, one of the things that you have to do is you have to research and ask questions and be kind of inquisitive about people. And, um, so that we all live in the same environment and we would call that um, a secular society, kind of this cultural moment that we're in. But if we are all living in that, what does that mean from the the research that you've done as we kind of set up um, a little bit of a conversation? What is what's kind of the background on that? Uh,
2: Yeah. So a lot of times when you talk about secularism, it's just like this. You hear just the stats of uh, belief is declining. Um, But the way that Charles Taylor approaches it, the guy that I'm writing a thesis about is that what it feels like to live, um, in a secular age. And a lot of what he talks about is sort of uncovering the background of that. So the, the, the kind of default assumptions of society, the, the, um, that we don't start in neutral. We all come to the table of our beliefs with all this other stuff. And, um, David Foster Wallace, um, told a great story that kind of helps helps uh, flesh us out a little bit. It's a silly little story, but he said that I think he did in a speech, he said that there were uh, two fish swimming in the ocean, and they're swimming along, and an old elder fish swims by them, and as they pass, the, the old elder fish says, hey boys, how's the water? And they just kind of swim on, and uh, a little bit down the way, one of the fish, uh, one of the young fish turns to the other and says, what in the world is water? And so it's just this idea that that the, the background is the stuff we're swimming in that we don't have any idea we're even swimming in it unless we actually really work hard to kind of uncover <laughs> what that is. And so a secular uh, age or secular time culture that we're living in now to me is a time when the background, the default assumption, has switched from a place where God was sort of the given and we worked from there to a place where that's no longer the case. Um, we're not starting with a background of of God, you know, if that makes sense.
0: And our vision is um, changing the secular worldview of the next generation. And I think um, we've talked about this a little bit. And if you take that information and saying that um, the next generation is being born in a time that would be considered a secular cultural moment, for them, it's not anything different. That's just what they know. Would I be right. assuming that? correctly? <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I think you are so okay. far. That's right. But that, that's important to know because sometimes as believers we can kind of jump uh, jump the gun on just kind of hitting people with Bible verses or something like that When, when just by virtue of the being born here in the United States and watching TV and being a part of the culture yeah. and going to school, uh, the assumptions are different. They don't automatically think that the Bible has is any more important than any other book there is, and it's not. Sometimes, sometimes it's not because they're actively unbelieving. It's just they 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 automatically think that science or something like that is going to be more uh, trustworthy, or it's really kind of the foundation. Whereas. Even 50 years ago or certainly a couple hundred years ago, it was just the opposite. People automatically thought, oh, yeah, God, of course, is there. And mm-hmm. it was a little bit different conversation. And that's very, very important to understand as we seek to respect people and understand them and listen to them.
2: Yeah, I think um, even even uh, I'm 38 now, and so when I was growing up, um, it was sort of like you were a, a good you know, uh ethical contributor of society if you were a christian. You know, it was kind of the thing to be, you know, you you're a good guy if you're a christian. Christians had the moral high ground. Now, it's it's switched and it's no longer that, you know, Christians are more the ones that are we we're viewed as morally wrong on on mm-hmm. issues that that at one time we were viewed as morally right about. Yeah. Um and at one time when it was I don't want to say beneficial, but I mean, that's sort of what beneficial to be a Christian. Uh, now it is no longer beneficial. Yeah, when
1: I heard one scholar say that this is the first time in American history where it wasn't socially advantageous yes. to be a good church-going person. That's, that's, that has changed, and this is the first generation that happened to, because even people that weren't necessarily true Christ-following Christians, if you were a good church-going person and identified with that, that was socially advantageous to you, no longer true. Mm-hmm. So, And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that, that uh, we're, we're, we're just having a very, very different conversation. And Zach, before we, uh, before we started this we were talking about just some of the markers of that water that we're swimming in. What are some of those things that we kind of all think, but especially those who are not Christ centered and those who are far from God in our lives,
2: uh, what are some of those automatic thoughts that they have? Uh, Yeah. So one, one of the thoughts uh, is just the the understanding. uh, It's the question of how we know things, I guess, how we know things are true? And it's sort of this, um, the scientific stance, I guess, that, that there has to always be certainty, uh, evidence, where objective, where uh, just all the overly rational, um, everything can be explained uh, by, by us. Um, I think that is one, this sort of this, uh, if you were at Church Sunday, Brett showed uh, a clip of young Sheldon, and it's sort of the young Sheldon approach to the way we know things. Uh, that's, that's in the undergr- underlying background. But at the same time, we're living in now, we're living in tension of that uh, kind of understanding that that may not be the case sort of at the same time.
1: Yeah, so everybody has this default, um, I believe, in science. That's how we know things. Uh, Obviously, science does extraordinary things from our phones to rockets to everything else. So we have this built-in respect that all of us have. And it better be almost proven by science in the back of our minds. Now, is that right? I mean, Yeah, is that I kind think of so. So,
2: yeah, when you talk about the background, I just I, uh, use the example, and I heard uh, Natalie, our executive director, say the same thing. That sometimes when we're talking with um, non-Christian friends, you know, they talk, they just, they always use the phrase like, "What? Well, what about science?" Uh, but they don't have any follow-up from there. It's sort of like just this, like you said, it's just the. It's the foundation is what about science? But there's no, if you press them and say, well, what do you mean? There's not really a next thing. It's just that the background says this is the starting point. You have to have, have me figure out how to get past this kind of thing.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. So, because if we're talking about a religious thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna push it away by saying, well. The way we know things is through science, and yes. so what about that? And yeah. they may not even have a specific examples. I remember, uh, <laughs> I think we brought it up on the podcast before. We we've done kickstart questions, which are kickstart uh, group experience where people can come and they can ask whatever they want. And one of the questions was, "Why do we quote scientific data and surveys and all that kind of thing?" And that's honestly why I do it. It's, it's not. Uh, it's not because I think it's superior to the Bible. I just know that most of us, and even Christ-following people, we without even realizing was what I hear you saying, mm-hmm. we're swimming around the water where we all assume if there's a scientific... Uh, Facts you can give along with it to bolster a thing in the Bible, you're going to be more likely to believe it. Just as a Mm 21st century person, you just are. You can't help it. I'm that way. I mean, I kind of look for things, but that is how people think, and that's one of the things we need to know about that person sitting across the table from us. That they view science as a
2: true sense, uh, a a true source rather of authority. Yeah. Uh, What are some of those other things? Um, I think one of the one of the big ones that I sense uh, really strongly too is the idea that we live in this cross pressure of belief and unbelief, hmm. um, you know, coming out of a time when certainty was, uh, was kind of like, again, certainty was the background. I, I think about when I was growing up again, uh, even 30, 40 years ago, doubts, you didn't talk about doubts. You didn't talk about questions. Everything, everything was pretty much a given. There was certainty. And that's again, out of that scientific stance. But now, um, Talks about, Charles Taylor talks about we we live in an age where we are constantly cross-pressured by belief and unbelief at the same time, um, and that shows up in the form of uh, a lot of different things.
1: So there's like this irony going on in us. But the fault is science. It's the only way we can know. But are you saying that kind of like in a way we all know you don't know a lot of
2: things? And so yeah, we're, I think we're, we're struggling I, with I this? I think we're getting there finally. Yeah, like we yeah. are coming out of the hangover of that i guess like right. we're starting to see well maybe maybe that maybe we don't know maybe we can't prove everything you know it's this sense of uh it makes sense to me that for thousands of years we believed one way the last 200 we've all of a sudden thought that we could explain the world in a totally different better way maybe that's not actually true you know i think that's yeah. the tension that we're kind of uncovering now
1: you know, it's like we instinctively know you can't put everything under a microscope. You can't put everything in a laboratory, and uh, and but we don't know what that is. So what yes. he's saying is everybody, and again, this is all of us. This is the person sitting across from you, That in some ways all of us are there. I know I am. Mm-hmm. There's a tension there of what you can so-called prove scientifically in this other part of life that you can't quite nail down, mm-hmm. and everybody's dealing with that angst. Yeah.
0: And even having that answer like when someone asks you a question and you say that you know the answer or you oh yeah I believe that but you don't quite understand what you're saying it's even like you're just in it and you assume that everyone believes that as well and I think something that you guys had said earlier that made me think of it even as as um, someone with a Christ-centered worldview that sometimes even we get stuck in that to where we don't believe that anyone else has a different one like and how can we have a conversation and so I think what we're trying to do here is again is just setting up a base of saying like these are some things that culturally people believe and so you've talked about science and cross pressure um one we had talked about earlier as is people kind of creating their own meaning of what that would be and that's i think there's a word for that a title for that
2: uh yeah maybe expressive individualism is how it would be described but that's sort of the place where we find ourselves now over the last few hundred years we have uh kind of evolved self into a place where now we are the creators of meaning we are um no longer communitarian, we are individuals just in each other's space um we you know we can create our own knowledge we can create our own meaning we can, all, all that stuff it's just uh based around we manufacture our life kind of thing uh that's one of the
0: uh, is, is part of that this is for either one of you guys do you think of the way that we get information now as part of that from that that we can get so much of it so quickly that we just have we think we have all the information I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I uh, you know, on the individual thing, I think I can and they say more and more. I, I know my, uh, my brother-in-law, he's an award-winning teacher and everything. He says he's getting the question more and more all the time. Why do I need to know this? Why do I even need to go to school? Because I can look up anything. I can mm-hmm. get to it. I have information right in my hand. And he's yeah. having a hard time coding the answer. Like, yes, you need universal knowledge. You need things beyond what you can Google. But a lot of people, they say Google searches are showing things like what's the purpose of life? What people are mm-hmm. asking Siri these things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so that, yeah, I can get to that because that goes back to the science. Thing that mm-hmm. goes back to everything else.
2: So another way, one way that's described is uh, the cross pressure between what what he calls the buffered self and the porous self. So if you think of buffered uh, self, it's a it's closed off; nothing can penetrate it. Um, so you are sort of in your own bubble of creating your own life, you know, versus the tension that we live in of also this the porous self that there are things that. You know if you think of something that's porous, a sponge, it, it can absorb stuff so that we can have. So, it's a tension of uh, the buffered, closed off from all other outside forces with the porous self that can absorb uh, and be affected by things outside of it. So, the sense
1: modern sense. age is pretty much we're all just a ball of contradictions, right? That's <laughs> yeah, what I'm I think hearing. so. We're, we're all I, I living think it's in tensions and pressures and buffers. <laughs> <laughs>
2: if he's right, us, at yeah. least if, if he's yeah. right at all, it's basically us. Um, Uh, And I I don't necessarily want to jump ahead, but it's basically us coming to terms with what we see as the failure of all the things that uh, that this, you know, secularization promised, you know, that that we were going to, you know, if we just if we just closed off all outside uh, forces and we just created our own meaning uh, and we just lived as individuals and, you know, we 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 manufactured ourselves, then we were gonna, and we pushed away anything transcendent, anything God, anything spiritual, anything mysterious, that we would all be happier, healthier, you know, blissful people. And, and we're starting to see that that's just not, not true. You know, there's more people, um, on, on medication than ever, prescription medication for depression, anxiety, all that stuff. There's, um, suicides are at all time high, you know, the, we, every study kind of shows that we're less and less happy. If you are on social media, or you see that we are much more fragile and fractured than ever before. Mm-hmm. And so we're living in this time when we're start, starting to process the failure of the promises of secularity. And, uh, and so we're now caught in the tension of, of living in that, if that makes any sense. We're, we're, we're feeling it. We're sensing it. And so we have this background that has, has been... One thing, and I think it's changing to something else as we're living in this tension. Uh, it's going to get played out, kind of thing. Yeah.
1: And as you say that, though, I I start getting hopeful uh, in in a sense because uh, it does, it, and even the individualism thing. I, I think as you say that, I'm I'm hearing more and more in the cultural conversation how people are longing for community. they are, they, we we know we're intensely, terribly individualistic, but it's almost like everybody's recognizing, i don't want to be that and and i want to get in the community and it's interesting that all those answers are found within like you know in the new testament isn't it yeah. interesting that it's, <laughs> it includes community as a fundamental part of the
2: reality that you're supposed to have and that's one of the things we're offering yeah so when we're talking when we're talking about having conversations with people and we and we can bring out that tension and we can bring out the the how this whole idea of us creating life in isolation and we're going to be happier we can actually talk about how the vision of life that Jesus had actually was very communitarian. It was very, that we are, uh, we need each other. We're, uh, you know, the fullest life is lived when we are in relation with one another that we don't just create ourselves and, uh, and then buffer everybody else away. Um, but, but Jesus's vision for life is that we are in uh, relation with one another. And that's, to, that's a place where Jesus is, uh, you know, vision for life is better than the secular stories, vision for life.
0: And when we relate that back to having conversations and getting um, to understand people, because I'm, I'm loving this so much, um, being able, my brain's kind of opening up to some things. I'm like, oh, I don't think I've thought about that. So hopefully you guys are too, as you're listening. But um, I would say that for me, it, I'm probably not going to go up to someone. And I don't think you're saying this at all. I just want to highlight it. I'm not going to go up and be like, hey, you are having a really bad time in life because you're believing <laughs> in this. Right. That That's not the way that I'm going to jump into someone's life. Right? right. If I don't have a relationship. Not, yeah. yeah. But what I would do is being able to come in and, to and say, you know, my hope and joy, you know, that I have for me comes from this and be able to explain that, which is a little bit, well, a lot of what the, the message you or the the scripture you read as we started out um, here as well. And so um, as we understand some of these things or kind of put them in our, in our base of knowledge and kind of start from there, how does this help us have conversations? What's something that either one of you have... Um, Using this information, how do we how do we better understand people, or what's a um, one practical step when we're having conversations?
1: Well, for me, it's first of all, it is an awareness, and you get that from listening. and And, and I guess I would sum it up like being aware that we're all in the modern age. Number one. Science is an authority, and that's not something you can criticize out of someone. It just is. It's just because it's how we've all been raised. We all think that way even more than we probably think we do. Going back to your water example, like what is water? Well, you probably believe in science a lot more than you think you do. So just being aware of that. When someone asks what about science, they're not asking a pushback question necessarily. They're asking something that's going to naturally come out, and you ought to be prepared to... Uh, to respond to that. Always be prepared to give an answer. Well, just ask them about that. What do you mean by that exactly? And ask another question. And then the individualism thing. Uh, it's the same way. And you can talk out of your uh, your sense of having found relationships and love and those kinds of things in the modern world. Uh, th- those are a couple things that strike me, just uh, uh, portraying that, uh, that communal sense that you do have and that God is a relationship God and those kinds of things.
2: Yeah, I think another helpful thing of just understanding... cross pressure that everyone feels it can give us a little more confidence because i don't know we create a caricature of people that don't follow jesus sometimes as militant atheists or something like that you know Mm -hmm. and the vast majority of people are not that they are living in this tension of belief and unbelief of sort of like the uh, the haunting of transcendence and the flattening of the world all the all those things um, they're living in tension as you and I are we just are our tension might be held in a different way you know stronger towards a Christ-centered belief um, so that can give us confidence because you know we're not we're not having to talk to militant atheists that are going to you know belittle all of our beliefs they're probably going to uh, be open to conversations I would think so.
0: and if that's kind of where people are living kind of in that, that middle section a lot I would say um, or even as you're saying like they're one side or the other. What do you think is the biggest barrier for change? Like from that, um, for using a scale, which we have one around here somewhere mm-hmm. actually, um, going from one side to the other, like what do you, what's one of the biggest barriers? Not to be the biggest. Cause that's a, it's a lot of pressure.
2: Do you want to go first? You me too. <laughs> the master's <laughs> I was waiting on that. Yeah. Well, I, I, there, I, this, I'll, I'll give you the answer with this, the story. Um, of, well actually a research experiment that, that happened a few years ago I think it was University of Virginia and uh, what they did is they brought in individuals and one at a time they had, they had them go in and sit in a room it was a room of low stimuli so there was just white walls there was no pictures on the wall no clock on the wall nothing but a room and a chair and they told them just sit here for 20 minutes and you know think about just, just you know enjoy your brain kind of thing you know contemplate self reflect that kind of stuff and they So you could do that, or there was, the, the big twist with the, is there was in the room next to the chair a button you could push that it would give you stimulation through a painful electric shock. And so uh, I appreciate the, they made everybody do it first just to eliminate the, the possibility of curiosity, because I might have pushed the button just yeah, out just of curiosity. Yeah, just see what it does. Who so, yeah. so they made everybody do it first, right. uh, and after they did it, everyone said uh, that they never wanted that to happen again, and they even asked them a question of, would you pay money to not get shocked again? And they all answered yes. <laughs> uh, so the the experiment ensues, and um, people just sit there, all I have to do is sit there and not fall asleep and knock it out of the chair. And it was shocking. Um, the women were much smarter than the men. The women, 25% of them, decided to push the button and, and receive electric shock instead of sit there for 20 minutes, but 75% of men Uh, push the button. And so what that study showed is that we have a really hard time being with ourselves and reflecting and just thinking, you know, in an information economy, which is what we have, what you talked about, everything that you want, you can be distracted with endless amounts of information. We never process anything. And so, uh, which is is again, just such a beautiful thing about the gospel, about, about Jesus, uh, about, uh, all the spiritual masters that have come before through the Christian faith about just how important contemplation is. And I think that that, again, is probably why we see fractured and fragile people is because we're not mm. contemplating actually who we are.
1: Okay. Well. And sometimes, if we if we do, uh, we might not like the answer that we get. <laughs> I think that's and, probably and, and, what we're scared yeah, of. It's like yeah, we're scared to get the answer, so we just keep pouring in more information. But it is I, I like what you said about um, you know we we can we can be confident because people are wrestling with these things internally, and uh, and if we can get them to slow down enough, and again through asking questions, through gentleness, through respect, just kind of fleshing out, um, if they ask about science. It, you know, what do you mean by that? You know, what what's what's some of your perspectives on that? And what how do you think that the Christian faith maybe goes against that? And a lot of people probably wouldn't be able to know. They would be like, well, and in, in, in we're going to talk in future podcasts about evidence that you can offer, even some scientific things that you can back up belief. Uh, a lot of people have wrong ideas about how the New Testament was put together, and you can have simple answers to that kind of thing in there. Uh, but yeah, trying to get people to contemplate a meaning beyond that without being scared half to death is a little bit more of a challenge. But uh, we'll talk some more about those things as we go and travel through these.
2: Oh, yeah, i think, oh, sorry. I think the other thing that people could and should just do, and this is why we're doing the worldview series, is, is that we should learn what Jesus's vision of life was so that we can see we can compare it against the background and see where it's different and see where it tells a better story than uh, than what secular story tells us mm.
1: Exactly. Yeah, because of that picture of service—he came to not to be served, but to serve—and uh, just the picture of life that he gives—and and somehow moving that robes and sandals world into the modern world of technology, because everybody is aching for that. But they want meaning, and they want—they uh, want to see life that is communal, and everybody desires it. And believe it or not, as old and sometimes. Uh, you know, old fashioned as the church can look at times, it really does, its it's beauty is surfacing through all the things, the very things that people are struggling with in a secular age.
0: You guys, this has been terrific, and I, um, I think for me, I know it's definitely creating a solid foundation and base to kind of kick the rest of the series off. This is a great start, and hopefully, as you guys are listening, this is a great opportunity for you. We'd love to hear your feedback, anything that um, you want to add to or ask questions about. You can email us at podcast at podcast.onelifechurch.org, and we would love um, to have a conversation with you as well. So, Zach, thank you so much for joining us and coming on and sharing some of your field of study and just um, some of the things you have. And, Brett, anything um, that you want to point people towards for the next week?
1: Yeah, I just want to encourage you everybody to stay tuned with the podcast because we're we are is going to continue to build this whole thing on conversations. We're going to do some very practical things about how to be prepared to give an answer. And the guests we're going to have, we've intentionally gone after people who came to Christ as adults who were a very different worldview and then made, uh, you know crossed that bridge over into faith. What's What was life really like for them? What kinds of things impacted to them? What didn't impact them? Uh, we're also going to have an apologist on that's going to talk about literal evidences, someone that does debate and does all those things. And so it'll be good stuff. And I think uh, by the time you listen to all those things, you'll have a little bit better handle and you will have a little bit more confidence talking to people.
0: Awesome. This has been super fun. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the One Life Podcast. If you heard anything that you want other people to know, we'd totally love it if you share that out on social media and let other people hear it as well. My name is Sarah and I produced this episode and our music was produced by Micah Robertson and Ben Brock. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you get an alert anytime there's a new episode. If you ever want to contact us at the podcast, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org.